Hello, and welcome to, uh, well, uh, I guess this episode doesn't really have a number, but <laughs> welcome back to Movie Mumble, <laughs> the movie exploration and discussion podcast where we seek to broaden our cinematic horizons. I'm your host, Scott Murray, and today I'm joined, as always, by my uh, constant friends, Joel. Hey there. And Tim. Hello. For those of you unfamiliar with Movie Mumble, it's a podcast where we all get together, watch a film, and then talk about it. Uh, typically, we take turns picking a film, but this is, and uh, the reason this has no episode number, is because this is a special episode. Special episode. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, there's a film that has been has been released lately. I know it, it went to the festival circuit. I don't know if it's seen wide release yet. Its wide release goes uh, live December 1st. Okay, so called The Disaster Artist. Mm-hmm. Wide release on December 1st. About the making of a film called The Room. Uh, the Disaster Artist, from the trailers, I, I think it's shaping up to be quite entertaining. But The Room itself is, as quoted from Wikipedia, often considered the Citizen Kane of bad movies. <laughs> it's, it's the best worst movie awful. of all time, is what, how it's been described. <laughs> it's, it's notoriously awful. So, we, it, because we all were interested in The Disaster Artist, and we're thinking of going to see it in December and mm-hmm. then do an episode about it, yeah. we figured we'd all get together and watch The Room first yeah. and do a special episode for that. Uh, we think we might stick with this sort of thing for for other film releases. Maybe when Star Wars comes out later this year, we'll do some other Star Wars movies. Don't promise you that know. shit if we ain't gonna do it. Oh, we're <laughs> gonna do it. We'll see. We'll see, you know. We're gonna do how, it. Depending on how quickly we can make episodes, you know, no, you'll yeah. manage it, and maybe not. But so, we actually haven't watched The Room at the moment now in which I'm speaking. We're gonna give you a little prequel. Yeah, we're gonna talk about we're our, our understanding of the film. First, <laughs> or lack thereof. <laughs> then watch it. Then talk about the film. So this is a film I only know by reputation and because I've seen that scene with the, oh, hey, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> so I it, did it's, not hit her. I did no. not. So, and that's the thing. The whole mythos around this movie so bad that it's good... I had no interest to see it until I saw the trailer for The Disaster Artist. I was yeah. like, oh my god, they got James Franco to play this guy, and he's doing it perfectly, and oh my god, now I'm interested because in this thing. Because The Disaster thing. Artist looks interesting, and people go, oh, they're making this bad movie called The Room, and then you tell them, you know The Room is real. Right. And they go, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm coming from. It's like, I, I, it's reputation precedes itself. I, I know of certain elements in it, but I'm I'm coming in pretty cold on it, so I, I'd, I'm not expecting to be blown away <laughs> by it. Um, I'm not sure. It'll it'll be interesting mm. to see what what comes from it. I'm expecting a dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, I was I was mentioning to Joel the other day when we were forming our scheduling plan for this day in the podcast. Mm-hmm. I I would use the term train wreck, <laughs> and I would do that specifically because. Um, I don't know if you saw Super 8, Tim. Yeah. We've established that Joel hasn't. Do you remember the train wreck from Super 8? Mm-hmm. That was spectacular. Mm-hmm. And in real life, apparently, train wrecks are also very spectacular. In that they're horrible, yes, but you can't look away. Right. There's something enrapturing about it. Yeah. The, similarly to The Room, yes. It is just downright awful. Like, we're not, we're not trolling <laughs> you, I'm not tricking anybody. <laughs> it's just awful. But it's so catastrophically spectacular in its awfulness that it's really entertaining to experience. Okay. That was my... I saw it, I don't know how long ago. I want to say on television somewhere. Wow. I was definitely in California visiting mom, so I... Some program I director lost their or job. Or I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Why is AMC playing this? Well, he's fired. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's been a while. But it has remained in my memory 
through its many memes and reference worthy moments like oh hi Mark hi Dougie yeah, I mean they're just they're everywhere you've probably heard a quote from right. the film if Not you spend any film. time on the internet even if you haven't seen the film and see this is another one with those that kind of cult following similar to uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show which we mm-hmm. had talked about just this idea that there's this cult following and this kind of like midnight showing mm-hmm. culture around it it would mm-hmm. be really interesting to see if any of it <clears throat> latches on to me in the way I wanted like Rocky Horror to. Yeah. It's it's a very different sort of full following. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, Rocky Horror has a lot of attachment to finding being yourself and yeah. finding a place Identity where you feel comfortable wise. and that sort yeah. of thing. The room's not like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> the room is it's just it's almost a, a cult cult following of filmmaking. Yeah. That okay. anybody can make a film and that even when it fails utterly it can still succeed spend so much time wondering whether you could do something not whether you should do it (laughs) yes yes um so it's the opposite of Rocky Horror. Instead of being yourself, it's like, no, you shouldn't you, be you yourself. Should stop. You should stop. You should be anything else. <laughs> but on the other hand, and I'll talk about this after the film, despite its catastrophic, so I'm on the Wikipedia page, budget, $6 million, box office, $1,800. Okay. But despite that, we're making a podcast about this thing, and there's the disaster artist coming out in December. So, so even... In the same way that, oh, you shouldn't be yourself. You can still be yourself and still fail, but then still succeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, if anything, the road to, to you know, your future is not a straight line. <laughs> Talking about that more when the film is over, once we've all watched it. So, since this, this is a, a defining moment of our lives, of before having seen The Room and <laughs> after <laughs> having seen The Room, is there, are there any final words of this state of existence, Tim? <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, my 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 thing is, you know, I, I hate being a poser, and like I've seen so many funny lines from this. It's like I want to be able to use them, but I hate using them because I haven't actually seen the movie yet. So now I'm I'm looking forward to having all these cool quotes, and you know, because I, I as most of my friends will know, I quote movies all the time. There was a period of my life where it was the only dialogue that came out of my mouth was from the movie. Um, <clears throat> so it's just it's great to have to be looking forward to having this new vocabulary to be able to use that that I actually. You know, am a part of, and like, yes, I know what that is. Not, oh yeah, that's that thing. Like, you know, like cause I've been saying, oh hi, Mark, and I, I did not. But it's like I, I shouldn't say that. I don't, I don't know. That really so. <laughs> you, you considering this as the the trial? You're doing your time, right? Yes, <laughs> you're putting. I'm in earning my stripes. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, do you have any last words? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I saw it already, so I don't know if I have the same sort of life altering moment upcoming. Okay, but. uh I'll say that it's best taken not seriously. Okay. <laughs> Perhaps obviously. <laughs> and I'll just go with the John McClane standard UPKA motherfucker. Let's do this. Yeah, Joel, Joel jumps into his doom with both feet and hesitation. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to watch the film now, and we'll come back with you once we're finished. I'll see you in a bit. Joel. Good I wish Lord. you could see his face. 
<laughs> Somebody else is going to have to start because the expletives are all I have. Well, let anymore. me start with Joel. Movie Mumble will never come close to being this bad ever again. <laughs> no matter what else anybody picks, you at least have the comfort of knowing it won't be the real. Oh, man. Tim and I discussed this earlier. Like, we, we both have movies that would be interesting for the podcast that we haven't put on the list because we wouldn't subject each other to that. Ah. <laughs> Case in point, Human Centipede. Oh. Right? <laughs> I was okay oh. with not knowing that was a film... Ever. Yeah. But having watched this trash heap, whatever the fuck that was. Dumpster fire train wreck. Uh, seriously, somebody else talk. Cause okay. <laughs> okay. Well, the, I, I enjoyed this a lot less the second time. <laughs> but also a lot more because of you guys. In the same way that a burden shared is a burden. <laughs> Two in the bush? A problem shared is a problem halved, is the phrase, but there are three of us, so I couldn't say halved. Thirded. (laughs) Treble. Sure. uh, Halved and then point one points. uh, Point three three repeating, of course. Yes. Um, uh, I just. I hate to say it, but. I loved it for the same reason I love Movie Mumble. You guys pointed out all sorts of things that I didn't really think about before. Tim in particular just... Well, what was funny is I feel like like through the whole through the whole thing, you know, yeah, I feel like it was like very... Yeah, we've been usually quiet during the films. Kind of we're respectful yeah. to we're the other people's choices. To, we're like, yeah. I want to try to get... This one, it was like, I was just kind of like, oh, look at that. Why are they doing this? And like, there was one point where I was like, wow, Joel had been pretty quiet. Like, is, is he trying to pay attention and like enjoy and respect this film? I kind of felt bad at one point. So I was like, am I ruining this for Joel? Because like, I'm saying all this shit and he's like, shut up. I'm trying to watch this and get, you know. I had, I had brief moments of that towards the beginning, but I was like, why am I, it doesn't matter what their, the dialogue no, says. Really There's no, it has no bearing on anything. It is like a dream. In that things just don't make sense. They just happen. yeah. You know, have you ever had a dream where you're talking to somebody about that car y'all were driving the other day, and then suddenly you're on Mars wrestling with Muhammad Ali, and nothing. You know, the whole right. conversation is irrelevant. <laughs> yes, this whole film is like that. Yeah, there's there's no segue there's from one thing dream. to another thing. <laughs> fever dream. Exactly. <sighs> nothing. <sighs> In the Wikipedia article, there's an entire <laughs> section called inconsistencies and narrative flaws, which contains the beautiful phrase. Uh, a number of plot threads are introduced, then instantly abandoned. <laughs> yeah, like the mother-in-law to be breast cancer. Yeah, the the yeah. baby for two seconds when yeah. she's oh, pregnant. Yeah. Lisa's expecting. Oh, Jesus Christ! <sighs> I <laughs> so 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 Joel to as you know, this film has entered into the pop cultural lexicon. It's Good God, why? <laughs> I was about to ask you, why do you think? Is it that people enjoy suffering in groups? Is it that it's so dumb it's hilarious? There is, is something it? to... Okay. What would you say? This is a narrative, and I hesitate to even use that word and sully what narrative means, <laughs> wherein the people are so terrible... Not just, like, the way that they're acted, but these characters are so terrible to each other that you don't even care that Wiseau is awful. 
That's the thing. You're watching it and you champion this guy despite the fact that he's this chasm of no charisma. He's a black hole. It just sucks up everything. Yeah, but because he's, he's not awful. Yeah, he's, he's the, the best character. The in most the film. genuine, least irritating people person on film. Yes. So you end up wanting things to work out for him, yeah. in spite of there being no narrative to support that. There's a sort of casual pleasantness to him. Yeah. Of you just he's just there. It's like, hey, I doing cool. Like I could I could have a cup of coffee with him. Yeah. Like, yeah. That'd be fun. It'd be I'd, fine. I'd throw a football around with that guy. Right. You know, but. <laughs> no, the others are so so very constructed scripturally, scripturally, script wise, yeah. to be horrible human beings Just, and make terrible decisions. Oh my god, Lisa! My god, I I I don't know. The in the hands of a more trained, I don't even know if that character works outside of the. I mean, it doesn't work in this, but just like. That material given to anybody else, could they have done any better? Probably not. I. She's. There's no rhyme or reason to her motivation. Like, okay, you don't love Tommy anymore. You've gotten feelings for his best friend. Okay, that's fine. You could build a narrative around that. But it's so meandering, and the time of, like, the the chronology of the different scenes makes no damn sense. Yeah, you, you never know, know how much time has passed. Is it the same day? Is it a week later? Right. Like, are they married yet? Are they, like, what's going on? Because we've got two touchstone events, to, like, to, to kind of, like, orient ourselves. We've got mm-hmm. the wedding in a month, and we've got his birthday coming up. Right. But we at one point, they're all in tuxes, and you're like, oh, is this the wedding? Are they, like, getting ready to go? After that, they yeah. talk about the wedding that is going to happen. Right. But yeah. then, then, then it's his birthday. It's just so yeah. unsettling. It's like this, it's out of space and time where these people are terrible and are being acted terribly it's just I I can't you know you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of reading um, I think it was during Death of Superman where the story kind of went across four titles it was like four different Superman (laughs) titles going Mm -hmm. on at the time and you know each each series had different artists drawing the characters and I remember in one series Lex Luthor was bald in another series, Lex Luthor had long red curly hair, and you would hop back and forth between those two versions of Lex Luthor. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, who? That happens really awfully in a Batman comic too. An Officer Down. I was showing you Joel. Yeah. The other day, they changed artists from issue to issue, and like one or two of the artists just draw the characters totally differently than everybody else. Probably oh, Gordon. Yeah, th- that's okay, yeah. In her yeah. wheelchair. Goes she doesn't from, even look like Babs. There's no... Uh, she stops being redheaded for like two of the issues and then goes back to being a redhead again. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, similarly. Yeah, yeah it's actually, just like, wait, am, is, I, am I reading? Did I miss something? That same sort of confusion. Yeah. Like, like oh, did I skip an issue Mark that explains why beard. this... Yeah. Just in the middle of the, the Tux played football, right, yeah. the Tux is seen. Yeah. His beard is gone. Yeah. Well, it's gone, but then he stays clean-shaven. It's not like it gradually grows back to show the passage of time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's clean-shaven for the rest of the... And you're like, is this the same day? Is he just... Is this a new style? Like, he's shaving every day now, and this is just his new look? And, like, they keep showing all these, like, views of, like, outside in between scenes. So you're like, okay, this is to, sh- to separate us from this next scene. Then it's like... Nope, we're still at the party. It's still his birthday party. Okay, it's the same exact night, you know, maybe an hour later. But why? Why are you showing showing the Golden Gate Bridge in between his birthday? Like, like, what, did did I miss something? Is that you know what? Those establishing shots. 
at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. and I mentioned this a lot when we were watching, but I want to say it on the podcast, there's a scene where, you know, establishing talks to San Francisco, well, here's some pretty cityscapes, there's a scene where there's like a building across a lake, I'm assuming they're in a park somewhere, and the camera starts looking over the lake and pans right to look at the building. But the way they must have set that up was by looking at the building first and then pushing the camera left, then beginning recording and going mm-hmm. back. And while I turned it left, the camera tilted on, on the hex-axis. So you start off with a crooked shot that gets straighter and straighter and straighter <laughs> as the camera goes to the right. Uh, which just, I think that just beautifully sums up the <laughs> nonsensical... It's, it's, which, it's yeah. like they quote from The Office. What does uh, Oscar Martinez say about uh, threat level midnight... The analytical part of my brain wants to analyze it, but I know there's no content. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, yeah. Watching it is like I need to write something right now to to <laughs> just like fill the void that this has created in the world of creativity. Like, stories could be so much better than what this thing is, and I have the ability to create that. And I'm really irritated that I'm sat watching this <laughs> instead of creating something and contributing to society. I just. <laughs> It, it. Uh. <laughs> so I have some fun facts from the internet. Oh, good. Uh, we, how how much? A lot of this film is just sex. Oh yeah. God! The sex scenes are very lengthy. Very uh, weirdly choreographed and yeah. oddly. Blocked. No, no understanding of basic geometry <laughs> or <laughs> or anatomy. Physiology. Blocked, yes, based and blocked. Is Jesus Christ. So uh, oh, apparently, okay. the film contains just over ten minutes of sex scenes. Bull. Oh god, that's not right. Apparently, Tubby Wiseau was so pleased with the footage, he wanted all of it in the film, and was eventually convinced to edit them. Thank God. The opening scene with Johnny and Lisa was nearly six minutes before being cut in half. Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't watch that waxy man's ass anymore. My God. Yeah, the, the, the observation I made about the sex scenes is it looks like everybody's a virgin every time because like, they don't know what to do with their hands and their their bodies are just like moving and there's no, there's no sort of direction. It's just kind of like, oh, I'll put my hand by... Your leg, and then uh, and the hands just move you, you, constantly. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's yeah. not even like here. Let's frame this to make it look appealing, or it's like, hey, we're shooting this not because it looks like sex, but it looks good on camera. Like right. it, it had no porn leanings of like this is how you make sex look entertaining. Right. Like, can we just? It was, it was neither James Bond nor Pornhub. No, no <laughs> it's nowhere in that. In that no system. subtlety, and the lighting was consistent the whole time, just blaringly loud. <laughs> just the sex scenes he needs, because oh. there was different lighting. Well, yeah, I, I want to. The whole the sex scenes provide me a great example for what I feel like was the the mentality. In that, it was someone who once watched a movie. <laughs> and then said, <laughs> said, this is what a good movie does, and then went and did it without understanding why what was going on. You know, because the right. sex scenes had, you know, slow pans across bed sheets up to bodies and like candles for flickering. But they didn't understand that, you know, 
the slow pans are to make things seem sensuous and slow, and the candles are to provide a flickering romantic setting. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a reason these things are done for the final image you get in the lens. Mm-hmm. They just took the pieces. Yeah, the here's a million candles and a million sheets, and like someone who saw a pizza realized you put toppings on top of a pizza, and then said, "I'm going to make a pizza," and just started throwing food onto his pizza <laughs> because it's all toppings are consist of edible edible things on my pizza it's like no not just edible things certain things specifically for a reason <laughs> so can we talk about the soundtrack for the sex scenes that sounds like you know when you go downtown and somebody hands you a cd that they've mixed themselves it's <laughs> yeah. like hey this is free but i'm taking it. donations it's like somebody took that and then just put it behind all of their sex scenes mm-hmm. it was god awful just like Early 2000 R&B track, like Chappelle making fun of R. Kelly and peeing on people. Yeah. Like that, that's what it sounded like. I, my so God. the composer, I, I cannot hope to pronounce his name, uh, M-L-A-D-E-N is the first name. Maladen. Maladen, Maladen. And then Militevic, I think I've got better, the last okay. name there. Uh, born in Sarajevo. So okay. Sorry for the my terrible butchered pronunciation. He's he's the composer, and let me see if I can bring his IMDb up here for a moment. <laughs> From a bounty commercial in 1994. Uh, <laughs> no, here it is. Okay, composer of the room. The room is his only credit. No, fittingly, the first thing listed. On okay. The but frankly, I think it should be for almost anybody. It's also the last thing listed. <laughs> it gives us 39 credits, okay. the last of which was 2016. Okay. Mostly documentaries, as it turns out. Okay. So, actually, almost everything here is documentary. I see a short that's not marked documentary, another short film. Yeah, otherwise it's pretty much all documentaries until we get back to the 80s. Hmm. So... I have to wonder, was there something about documentary composing that brought this in? Or was it just this, the fact that this project had a wonderful way of tainting everything I touched? Well, cause it had, <laughs> well, it had that kind of, like, wishbone PBS specialty, right, like, like uh, clarinet horn background <laughs> stuff in it. So it, that, I totally, it makes sense that it would be documentaries, like, just these little... Mm-hmm. Info things, yeah, very just even keel, like mm-hmm. you know, no, no sort of serious like rises and falls, no drama, like to a safety it. video. Yeah. That's that was the vibe. <laughs> I loved that moment during the party when there's a, a brief interlude of no dialogue and some classy piano music going on in the background, and Tim says. Beethoven? <laughs> like, That's the thing. About why like, they would have selected Beethoven. And like, out of all the things to focus on, like, they'd have a party, they need classy music, of course you're going to pick some classical piano. I mean, That's Beethoven's why one of the more go famous. Like, with, why not? Why didn't they go with that just from the get-go? Like, the, he's it's not really contributing the most anything great. Out of the whole film, yeah. Is the thing. But they picked... Nice Beethoven music for their classy party music. I mean, it definitely like set it apart, right? But that's the thing. Like, why not just go to that public domain library and like, okay, this is classical music. It's not owned by anybody. Let's just, I don't know. It. it, it. Well, it seemed like a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the music. Um, 
this is one of the things I've sort of learned about in my desire to do film scoring is that you know directors a lot of times will use a temp score. They'll find pre-existing music ah. to put behind a scene yep. to kind of show the composer this is the type of mood I'm going for, and you know depending on you know the relationship between the composer and the and the director and how good of a director the director is, you know it's one of those things where you have to try to match that vibe but without plagiarizing you know and I definitely like there were a ton of times where throughout it's like oh this sounds like this song you know and or this and it definitely had gave me the impression that <clears throat> there was a very specific um temp score for this and then it was like okay so this has to sound like a cross between what was the what was the first song where I was like oh this sounds like the oh uh bed of roses mm-hmm. it sounded like a cross between bed of roses and I want to sex you up and like, so I could almost see like that. That's what the the what he originally temp scored with, and he's like, I want these songs. And it's like, well, okay, we can't get the rights. So I'll do something that sounds like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if by the end, like, he just couldn't he couldn't pull off Beethoven. So he's like, like, well, fuck it, we'll use the actual Beethoven. You know, like. But that yeah, that was sort of the impression I got was it was one of those where he was definitely very attached to the the the, the temp score. Um, so. The the room came out in two thousand three. I have here. Really? Uh, Seems like it came out in nineteen eighty nine. The composer, one of his other credits is this. Uh, I think it's a documentary called Homeless in America, two thousand four, written and directed by Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> Wait, what? Yes. The Wiseau collection has more than one volume. I, I'm pretty sure this is a documentary. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, it's a documentary about homelessness in the United States. So he scored two of Wiseau's films. Because he made so much money off the first one. Just, you know, I really enjoyed this project. I felt like I got my, my music out there. I was able to tell the story I wanted to tell with the music. God. <laughs> $1,800 original run. I guess uh, he must have been a pleasure to work with, right? Like, that would be the only reason sure. to keep and these I, people uh, hostage. From, from what I've heard regarding the disaster artist and whatnot... Which admittedly isn't very much, and it's all you know, fifth-hand information right. at this point. It is that that Johnny that, uh, Tommy was not malicious or necessarily or you know evil or anything. Just sort of, just sort of unusual. He's just on this different wavelength, and mm-hmm. once you understand that, Thank you, you can have that with him. Yeah. So I, I, obviously, I've, obviously, I've never met him. I can't say, but. See, and that's the thing, like, having said all this stuff and having not enjoyed the movie, I am all the more interested in watching The Disaster Artist now, because how the hell did this get made? And that's the thing about the film, is even we're sitting here tearing it, tearing it apart. And <laughs> tearing it apart! And even though we're doing that, we're not... There's, there's, there shouldn't be any malice in, in our criticism either, because... None of us have a movie. To hurt, obviously, we don't have a movie. The film wasn't meant to hurt people. No, it's not, not yeah. super no. political or pushing. It's just, you know, they, for whatever reason or purpose, this got made in the way it did. And it's entertaining. And that's the thing. Like it, like you said, it doesn't really attack anybody. It's, it's pretty uh, misogynist in some of its themes and some of the lines that the female characters have. But it, by and large, it's just... It's not like it made a whole bunch of money... Or, like, it's offensive in a, like, this is supposed to be high art and they capitalized on the lowest competent nominator or anything like that. It's just, like, this film is an anomaly. Like, mm. sorry, I no, no, was trying to, to 
demonstrate more the fact that it's our, our language centers aren't fully back online yet. No kidding. Film. <laughs> I'm still under the weather, so I apologize. <laughs> well, like and like to me, I feel like at its core, it it makes sense. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of like have you guys ever seen Axe Cop? that's kind of the opposite of axe cop where it's like you know the ramblings of a child but then sort of solidified by an adult to kind of make a little more sense i feel like this is the opposite of that it's a it's sort of a very adult concept very sort of legit real concept but then it gets sort of like like twisted by someone yeah who who doesn't necessarily understand like you said he's seen a movie before and understands oh this is what happens in movies but how to like? I would almost love to see a, like a legit remake where someone takes the script, like rewrites the dialogue, like gets some legit actors, and says like, okay, like oh, you know how to read lines, okay, you know how to you know uh, how to emote as an actor or actress, you know, and actually like do like a legit screening of this where it's like, oh yeah, that movie makes sense now. Like I understand how they change this dialogue. They, you know, trim some of the fat, add some stuff in to describe why certain things are happening. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe that's part of it is that at its core, it's a quote-unquote good movie. It just, you know, he took on too much by being like, I'm going to do everything. And maybe there are parts of it that he would have been good at, but he's not good at all of it, you know. And maybe, you know, stretched himself too thin. Whereas if, you know, like, for example, if someone else was directing... And said, "No, this this doesn't work. The way you're saying this, this is stupid. People don't talk like this. Like go like this. No, no, that's that's not where a woman's vagina is. It's a lot <laughs> lower. And down, you gotta, you know, this is where you position your body. You know, like like things like that. I feel like, yeah, like this this works. You know, like see, I can almost see like the opening sequence. If I was gonna do it right, I'd have Tommy outside with Dinny or Danny, whatever the hell his name was, and we couldn't figure out what, what it was. Like they're outside playing catch. Mm-hmm. Like establish this father sonish relationship from an early point. Then you have some some kind of like emotional cash to work with. Yeah. And then he comes in, and then he's got this relationship with his girlfriend. And yeah. Like just you can just, see the building blocks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's something there. there. Loving relationship and uh, Gone kid. Cold. He's sort of yeah. you know mentoring. You know, good friendship with Mark. Generous, wedding right? Planned, very generous. And then, dun-dun-dun, she's cheating. And then yeah, it slowly like the escalates. love triangle. And escalates, and it turns out the kid was hiding this other secret from Tommy. It's got him... And it never goes anywhere with that. And, and, you know, right. and then Mark is sort of being beguiled. And, I mean, it's a slow escalation until everything collapses. I, I can see it. I can see where it was looking. The, the direction it was looking as it stood to, to start off its journey. Not the direction it took steps in, I'll say, but the direction it was looking. So is this how, like, the conversations for people who love this movie go afterwards? Is, like, what it could have been? I don't... Yeah. Because this is not the cult conversation I'm expecting. Like, if I I go to a midnight showing of this afterwards, I I feel like I'm just going to hear a chorus of, hey, Marks. Well, hi, Mike. Right, like... Hi, doggy. (laughs) You're my favorite customer. See, it's the beauty of, of, of all sorts of things and movies and games and art and whatnot, but especially with the room, is that as long as you enjoy it, it doesn't really matter how or why. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you enjoy it because it's bad and because you enjoy laughing at, at the effort, or if you enjoy it because of all the crazy dialogue, or if you enjoy it just because you love walking out of the room afterwards and saying, oh, hi, Mark, and everybody smiles and laughs at, you know, whatever. So, I, this happens with, um, with a few people I know, actually, with a, a wide chunk of 
80s movies because they were in the perfect age group. Right. And I think it's going to happen with us in the future with films that are not remembered well mm. from their era, from their late 90s and the, the aughts. <laughs> but we're going to like them just because we were there at the time. Right. Or just because we saw them afterwards and they reminded us of something or, or that sort of thing. But I feel like everyone has some something they enjoy that is sort of objectively bad or broadly uh, you know, broadly disparaged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't know. I've never really met any other people who really love The Room, so I can't tell you how the conversation is supposed to go. Well, see, I like bad movies. And I'm, I mean, I'm going to show you guys eventually Gods of Egypt. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> and it's... It's a dumpster fire. But <laughs> the reason I love that movie, and you guys will get to hear this ad nauseum, is that there I can see the brilliance underneath all the mistakes mm-hmm. and where it was trying to go mm-hmm. and what it could have been. And that is what delights me about it. It's like, look at how far from what this could have been this ended up being. So but I don't get the sense that... the you just say something similar about Room? Yeah, that's what it? I'm saying. It's like that. That's what I'm saying. Is like I when we see what they were trying to do, but they didn't get there. So, so coming, why does that work so well for Gods of Egypt for you, and not for the room? Well, no. What I'm saying is, what I, coming into this movie, I wasn't expecting to have that reaction ah, to it. Oh, okay. That okay. there's something underneath this that's a story that could be told well, yeah. and the frustration comes from it not doing that mm-hmm. and the, the stimulating conversation comes from well what could that have been mm-hmm. I, I I was just expecting it to kind of be kind of like Step Brothers or like a dumb comedy movie that people See, like those are good movies I, I don't they, like Step Brothers they're sort of no, what I mean, the hell is to, wrong with you they're just, they're sort of, I don't want testicles on my drum set Tim <laughs> They're executed well in in that they did what they said. No, that, that's that, but what I'm what saying I mean? is like the, the humor. I associate those two schools of thought of humor in the same way. That the oh hi Mark is dumb, but it's dumb on purpose. Oh hi Mark, you expecting yeah, but it, it's but not. Right. This this is just a complete misfire. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> See, which is which is for me where a lot of the comedy comes from, but it wasn't supposed to be. Right, but it's. I've done a lot of talking. Somebody else talk. No, that's, no, that's Unless good. we're going to have doing a, a lot of really great talking. <laughs> Tim, we're well, going to have a Step Brothers conversation later. <laughs> Did we just come? To, it's it's infinitely quotable. That's the thing that's stressful to me about Step that's Brothers. That's my yeah. problem with the Big Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> I keep quoting it, and I don't want to. Okay. Uh, so, what are what are your experiences with bad films, Tim? I generally too, just to, to both of you. It, there's the sort of the, the film graph, if you will, of quality, and it just sort of stretches downward from, you know, great film down to, you know, decent, bad, crappy, terrible, awful. And there's a little spike at the so bad it's good, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is, I, I feel like then after so bad it's good, there's the just plain awful. I feel like way further down past that, there's another spike that is reserved only for the room. <laughs> <laughs> it's got its own curve. <laughs> Another so bad it's the, good the room quotient, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I don't know. If I, do, um, you, do you typically watch a lot of bad movies, Tim? Or? Well, well, and what's weird, like yeah, like that, that sort of the the that description of sort of being like, oh, I love bad films. Like a lot of the movies that 
that I like that I would say, oh, this is a bad film that I like. Like, I don't consider it to be bad. Like, I don't say it's bad, but I still like it. Like, right. I love it, but I acknowledge I, I, why right. other people think it's bad. Right. I, I, um, establishing, as I don't know if we've ever firmly set out before, yeah. but we certainly mentioned that there's well made and poorly made, but then if you like something, you can just call it good. You know? Right. And then there's the difference between liking it and enjoying, you know, like if you get a dark film, like a war film, you say, oh, I like that a lot, but I didn't enjoy it. Right. Yeah. So so falling into that spectrum in, in what people call bad movies, yeah. poor, poorly executed, if it were, separate from your enjoyment. Yeah. So you usually... So, so just to kind of put, I guess, start maybe putting things in perspective. So for so the room, like, okay, it was... It was it was bad. Like, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. I'm I'm gonna admit yep. that I, I didn't I wasn't like, yes, this is you know, but there was that that this is maybe the first film I've experienced like this where I can look at it and say it's objectively bad, yet I enjoyed it. Okay. Um on the and then there's another part of the spectrum, and I know most people argue with me about this, but one of my at least in the in the, in the past, see. at least in the oh, past, okay. one of my favorite comedies right was Freddie Gut Fingered. Which is fucking brilliant. I don't care what anyone says. Like that that film is put together so perfectly. And never seen it. It's it's not something like and, and there there are films I've seen where people are like, oh god, it's so bad. It's like, yeah, I know, and I'll admit to it. But but like and, and I guess and, but again, like I don't consider it to be bad, but I guess it, it, I'm admitting to it because I can acknowledge why other people see that it's bad. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, Freddy got fingered, like, like wh- other than, oh, it's so stupid and it's gross and Tom Green's stupid. And it's like, no, like, this, if you follow, like, the narrative and the way the jokes play through, like, like it is fucking brilliant. Like, um, and since you haven't seen it, I don't want to go into detail, but I may bring that in as one of my picks for Movie Mumble. Because, like, you guys, like, your jaws will probably be on. Have you seen it, Scott? No. Okay. Freddy? No. <laughs> yeah, okay, so that is going to be one of my next picks. But, um... It'll be so, a change from Quinn and Scott's yeah. and <laughs> but um, but yeah, like it's actually it's it's sort of the opposite of what this was, where you said someone who saw a movie and was doing the things that movies do. This looked like uh, sort of at first glance to some people that it was just a mess of randomness, but it is like not random at all. There are all these threads that are actually tying it together and making sense of it, and there's like an actual like arc to it and things that happen that like you kind of a comment that's made that you think is insignificant, but then that comes back later and it's like oh wow that actually happened and and all these little things and, and I think a lot of people are probably distracted by all the stuff like him jerking off a horse and you know putting wearing a deer carcass as a as a costume and getting hit by a Mack truck like all these random yeah, things are happening the, 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 the moment he said jacked off a horse we went look at each other <laughs> it's okay later he's watching the horse get jacked off and eating a sandwich it's ah, fine is so it makes horse eating sense. the sandwich or no no the Tom the Green sandwich? is okay yeah so we we will because uh, that's important it's, it's in his it's in his LeBaron that he gets it's fine it makes sense <laughs> LeBaron oh god it was a perfect car for that kind of film <laughs> Oh my gosh. So don't worry, we will She's watch that soon. Her MG for a white Chrysler LeBaron. <laughs> <sighs> so song lyric, a spontaneous song lyric for you. I'm sorry, all I can think of with the Chrysler LeBaron is uh, Seinfeld, right? Isn't that. Who's, who does that end up being? Is that the BO car? No, because the BO car is a sob. Okay. It's not Ass Man. Because that's Kramer's car. Like, he gets the uh, Le vanity. Mom and Pop Store. 
Wikipedia, 94th episode of the NBC sitcom Seinfeld, etc., etc. George is all set to buy a 1989 Volvo oh. sedan, but instead the car salesman talks him into a 1989 Lebanon. But whose is it? <laughs> he claims it's <laughs> owned by John Voight. There it is. That's <laughs> why we got there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to the Seinfeld podcast. Oh, God. He, even the show about nothing... We could probably find more uh, to talk about. Well, I do have something else to talk about about the room, okay. if you like. Yes. Sure. Um, I worry that I'm going to drain the last few remaining dregs of cerebral matter out of Joel's head with this revelation. Left. But, um, all right, I am on Wikipedia. Title. The Room, parentheses, 2010 video game. What? what in God's name? The Room Tribute or The Room is an unofficial video game released on September 3rd, 2010, based on the film of the same name, directed by Tommy Wiseau. This is the decline it's a point of Western and click civilization. Oh, God. Point and click? <laughs> yes. Can we follow down the narrative holes that they left? Could we, like, um, investigate I'm about the drug if deal? I can link to this, actually, if I can play it. Because that would just be great. <laughs> 2010. You know, I think this would make everything make sense if it turns out that the, the movie was actually based on the video game. Because it's got that, that kind of make, stilted that, Yeah, where it's like, oh, we have these scenes where you're clicking here and making people talk. And, you know, like the, yeah, the way everyone speaks in this film is like when you're playing a video game and you have that box. I bet you I can play it. That'll just be the remainder of the podcast is us live broadcasting as you're playing through it. You know what, Tim? Don't even worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. Okay, it's loading. I see Tommy's beautiful face. Why did every sequence have to start with a door being answered? Every Almost every scene started, yeah, with someone opening the door to let someone in. And then, like, having these interactions that were just so unnatural and stilted and, like... Here's oh God! <laughs> it's happening. Do we have the license to that music? <laughs> oh my God! Is that Tommy? It's a statue of Tommy Wiseau oh, with a rose in one hand and oh. angel wings. It's his grave. It's Johnny's grave. Wait, oh he's dead? shit! Oh yes, of course he's dead. I had forgotten he shot himself. Beautiful. That's how long. Now we're jumping to two weeks ago. So there, there you are. There's there's the establishing shot. Of the bank, it, okay, I can put it back on you, but it's real, it's a very real thing. Animation's actually quite nice, I have to say. What a beautiful, what a beautiful day, day, he says. <laughs> so, you know, I, I want to point out... Whoa, was that an earthquake? <laughs> what is going on with this car? I mean, we can't, we can't focus on this since the podcasters can't see it, but... Wait, Mark owns a sports car? But, um, okay. the, apparently, and I'll jump back to my room Wikipedia page just to make sure I don't... Impugn the honor of the YSO Empire. I just I want to give accurate information. I, I, yes, uh, base the screenplay was derived from a stage play, so I think Tommy Wiseau wrote it as a stage play first. Oh, uh, that which, makes a lot I of thought sense. About, this is why they all start and end with entrances. Yeah, like people entering and exiting the stage. Because that wouldn't be as confused. Like I wouldn't have On latched stage, onto it's that. Just On stage. Yeah. in from stage that right makes, or stage right or what have you. Okay. And we're just, solving it. We're gonna fix yeah. it, guys. It's gonna be a story. Oh my god! Can we please somehow put on a performance of this? Can we get a few people together? This is our radio show. Room? A radio play. Oh, man. Oh, room. Yes. A radio. Play. Oh my god! Can, can we make that happen? Do we have the rights? 
<laughs> can we get the we rights? We should just send it to Wiseau and see what he said. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> we'll need some Foley art. <laughs> sound of breaking glass and of the rose petals the falling. Yep. <laughs> the sound of a football being tossed around. <laughs> oh, man. oh my god. I yeah. want to make that a thing. We're going to need a solid gunshot sound. No, we don't. And a boiling <laughs> cap gun. <laughs> <laughs> so this is interesting I, I mean it's done its job and made us even more excited for the disaster artist yeah which is great and which we'll all go see once it's out and record and hopefully release that soon after this one we'll, yeah. mm-hmm. we'll you know, sort out you'll find out when they release yeah. of course they'll just be able to look at your screen we can't see that far into the future unfortunately but it also it really I think like I said earlier, it sort of liberated me a little bit as far as movie mumble picks. In the sense that I'm not worried about picking a bad film. Because you can't even well, approach it. just because it'll always be better than this, but because we'll always have something to talk about. That's true. And... I've just... I've just... All my, my language center just... Just, just recently returned from its vacation at the hands of the room. Just dump the keys on the table and slam the door on its way out. Um, you can just say a bunch of phrases that don't connect or you know oh, have any sure. sense to do, and you know make a movie out of it. But just, <laughs> how's your sex life? <laughs> I didn't uh, know. What was this movie? <laughs> I, I, it just that there's so much else out there surrounding a film that yeah. films have created so much so, so much culture around them that there will always be something that helps us broaden our horizons that helps us see the film in the same way the discussion does that the podcast does that yeah. just talking to you guys about this brings me new info you know all the subsequent research we do for just what I'm looking up you know people's names or what have you like here we are room video game I mean who knew <laughs> That's the thing. This thing is going to bother me for a while. Like, it's going to be stuck in my head, and I'm going to be thinking about it in a month, and I'm like, God damn it, why? It's just like, like you said, that's a, a good way to think about it, freeing up for your picks. That oh, oh here, to answer your, your question from earlier, Joel, I'm on Wikipedia again, the film had regular showings in many theaters worldwide, with many as a monthly event. Fans interact with the film in a similar fashion Rocky oh, in a similar fashion I'm reading from Wikipedia I swear similar fashion to the Rocky Horror Picture Show I, that's what I thought audience members dress up as their favorite characters throw oh, plastic man. spoons a reference to the unexplained framed photo of a spoon on a table in Johnny's living room oh, toss that. footballs to each other across short distances there we go and yell insulting comments about the quality of the film as well as lines from the film itself okay so, so we, basically we, we just did it we just did it what they do at one of these showings <laughs> What was with that referee tossing in the football in that tiny little alley that we know is not a real alley? Right. That one might have been. It's a big movie set. Well, not because that's what they were shooting in the disaster artist footage. Yeah, but that was the other scene. Is it? When they're talking and the one guy... Remember, the one guy walks into frame and no one sees him until he's standing in frame? Right. As opposed to the tuxedo scene. No, I wasn't talking about the tuxedo scene. I was talking about that first one where there's five of them in that short, sharp corner trying to... I don't and know. He just knocks him that. into the garbage cans for, for some no reason. For no reason. Yeah. See, and that's the And thing then he's like all injured. He's like, oh, oh, we gotta get you to the hospital. See, and you could have made Mark a lot more sinister and like the uh 
there's so much potential. I got the feeling that Mark was supposed to be sort of victim. Yeah. The beginning. No, but that's the thing. Like, she's a seductress yeah. and, right. like, this kind of, like... Up until he suddenly wasn't. Right. He's <laughs> just, like, he into was, it. You know, complicit, right. Then uh. they have... See, I, like, I got mixed up about which football scene Joel right. was talking uh-huh. about. Because there's <laughs> several. <laughs> there are many. Oh, man. What an what a experience. I hesitate to call it film. <laughs> In some ways, though, this makes me... This gives me pride in my country. (laughs) (laughs) Only in America. Anyone can do anything. When they say in the U.S., go to Hollywood, make a movie, you'll be famous. I mean... They're not wrong. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. We (laughs) We all know who Tommy is. You can take in 1800 bucks and still be famous. And this isn't even the worst selling film of all time, either. All right, let's go down to Google next. No, that's that's a thing. Um, I think there's one that it was open for twelve people, one showing. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Well, at first, I was gonna start reading off my Google results to ask you all which one you think I should click on because they're mostly lists. But my second hit is called Zizix Road. It's a Wikipedia article. Zizix Road, spelled Z Y Z Z Y X, is a real yep. road in California. For those of you who don't know. Mm-hmm. So for a second, I asked, why the hell is a road Wikipedia article coming up in my <laughs> Google search for worst-selling film of all time? And the answer is, was it's the name movie. of a film. And I think that's because the of least... of course it is. Yeah, least-selling one of all time. 2006 American Thriller, etc., etc. Uh, the film gained notoriety from its gross ticket sales of only $30. Oh, $30 on total. Its opening run. Due to its intentionally li- limited release at a single cinema, though. Hmm. Yeah, but there was after the fact. It's also, like... Making it the lowest box office. I want to see lowest total, like... It would be really hard to try and market a t- film called Zizix. <laughs> I'm, I've mispronounced it twice, and I've only said it twice. But... <laughs> I mean, I'll go to Wikipedia's list of box office bombs here. Or Screen Rant provides us a lowest grossing films of all time. There we go. Let's see, I'll go the over. The internet is fun. It is. Oh, what's this picture? Oh, presumably from some sort of horror film. <laughs> okay, uh, so numbers from 25, $440. I'm just going to jump ahead through to the number one here. Scroll, 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 and here we are. Zizix Road. Okay. What, what's... So number two, storage 24, $72. See, but I wonder about these limited release sorts of things. I want to know what the lowest grossing film with a wide release was. Well, I mean, did The Room have a wide release? Because I don't think it did, either. Let me go through all my tab. The Room video game, The Disaster Artist, based on The Room. The Room, okay, here we are, The Room. Uh, Production, influence, release. What the hell just happened there? Tim, thankfully, is watching my screen. I swear I clicked on release, and I was taken to a Wikipedia article about a magazine. All right. Promotion. A magazine called Release. No, <laughs> this, the no, Atlantic, no, no. Apparently, um, etc., etc. Wow. Well, uh, the film was promoted almost exclusively through a single billboard in Hollywood. See, despite the film's failure to enjoy immediate success, Wiseau paid to keep the billboard up for over five years. Shit. <laughs> uh, I. See, I mean, so there was no promotion, but I don't know about theater release. 
imagine if they only had one billboard. I'm, they had a theater deal in like one. I, I don't imagine they had a wide release. So it looks like it played in a, two theaters here. Yeah, two theaters for the eighteen hundred dollar run. Jesus, which is apparently pretty damn good considering that you cut that number of theaters in half and you get thirty bucks out of physics. Right. So, <laughs> oh man, so only in America. <laughs> Stepping over to Wikipedia's list of box office bombs. Uh, I can't tell how these are sorted. But recognizable. Ooh. The 2004 The Alamo. Really? Yeah, which, if I'm not mistaken, had. I think Bob Thornton in it? Yeah. That's a pretty big film. Yeah. Ouch, that's, that's on here, so. Ouch. Let me see if I can find the most recent. All right, we have 2016, 2015, 2016. Actually, I wonder if Wikipedia will let me resort this by year. And it will. Thank you, Wikipedia. 2017, two entries on here. Um, one of them, which only just released 29th September, is already on their list, okay. so I guess it's ongoing. That one is King Arthur Legend of the Sword. Oh, okay, that was... Uh, the other one is Ghost in the Shell. Really? Yeah. Just in terms of loss well, over... No, I mean, the game gross is higher than the production budget. Hmm. So why is it on the list? I don't know. Color me confused. Tim, what were you left at? So I want to read, I want to read the, the synopsis Ooh, yes, on the, the back, back of the, of the box. box. Thank you. This, this movie comes to us courtesy of the University of Denver Library because none of us wanted to shell out money to buy it, and thank <gasps> God they had it. There's an interview with Tommy Oh, God, maybe we need to do another follow-up <laughs> after that. So, The Room is an electrifying American black comedy about Boy, love, passion, betrayal, and lies. It's what happens in real life. Wait, wait, let me say the last one again. It's what happens in real life. Wait, wait, here we oh. go. You could be with your loving woman, and all of a sudden, boom! She's in bed with your best friend or a family member. That doesn't happen in the film. <laughs> The Room depicts the depths of friendship and relationships in one's life and realizes life's real and most asked question. Can you ever really trust anyone? Are you ready to see reflections of your life? If you would, Tim, I want to actually... I would not. I was looking over this earlier while we were eating the pizza, and there's a little insert here inside the box, which on one side has, of course, the list of scenes, as most DVD cases do. It's broken out into 42, which (laughs) seems... A a lot. Oh my god, like it's the answer lot. to life, the universe, and everything <laughs> is the room. <laughs> but the opposite side, so that's how I know this is a legitimate sheet, not something that was added by someone later. Uh-huh. All right, this was hidden here, put it in the film. At the bottom, it has a copyright 2005 Wiseo Films. Opposite side of that is another synopsis, which is largely what Tim just read electrifying American black comedy about love, passion, betrayal, lies, etc., etc. I wanted to draw your attention to the second sentence. It has five major characters. Johnny, played by Tommy Wiseau, is a successful banker with great respect for and dedication to the people in his life, especially his future wife, Lisa. Now, the way those words are strung together means you might not have heard it. Great respect for and dedication. A-N. A-N. Not A-N-D. <laughs> A-N. This sheet that came with the film as a typo. Oh, my God. <sighs> and the last... 
three sentences, two of them use the phrase quirky new black comedy. You know, twice in three sentences, because why not? What the, well, what? because, I mean, that's that's how the dialogue works, where it's like, you know, what was... Don't worry what about was it. That? Yeah, don't worry about it is spoken so through, like, the first line. quarter of the film. Yeah, and then what was the other line that kept popping up, like, where, when she was like, oh, well, well I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marry him. And it was like, okay, yeah, we know, but, like... Yeah, like, there, there are just these lines of dialogue that just get regurgitated and recycled, mm-hmm. and, like, through every conversation, it's like... It's like someone was playing Mad Libs when they were putting the script together, you know? When they describe it as a black comedy, so what points in the film were we supposed to be laughing at? Right? Yeah, like... Because if it's, if it's designed to have this dark humor about it, are we supposed to laugh every time Tommy laughs? Because... Or Johnny laughs. It's the same guy. Why did he just change I, the first letter? I really hope we're not supposed to laugh at the same time he laughs because there were some inappropriate moments. No kidding. Uh-huh. Like the one where they were talking about domestic violence. Domestic violence. Oh yeah, yeah. There was this one girl who was dating like twelve guys, and one of them beat her, beat the crap out of her. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, don't laugh there. This is this this film. I think Joel is officially broken. I'm just gonna rock in the corner for a bit here. I... <laughs> so the in in the disaster artist, we're gonna see. I guess we're gonna see the this beautiful portrayal of the real the other people like us watching this happen in front of them in real time. Right. Which I'm, I'm very interested to see. Yeah. So. It's just, and there's things you can see in the film, like the other actors coming in, the kind of more tertiary characters. Mm-hmm. You can see them trying, and you can see that, okay, these, these are people who, like, may have had commercials before, may have acted in plays, may have done just bit parts before, and they're trying. And they don't seem to know what to do when... What's funny is... Tommy Honestly, shows up. The, the, our three leads sort of got used to it. Yeah. Like they felt uncomfortable, but as the film went on, it felt like they got more comfortable. Yeah. Like they just, much like the audience, stopped trying to look into it and just went with the flow. So maybe these other actors who came in and out didn't have that acclimation time. It's just like this glitch. Like <laughs> That's the thing. The final sequence where he's tearing up the uh, the the room... <laughs> And trash and everything is one of the. It's that was beautiful. It's really well executed, and I don't know if it's just we had been bogged down by so much crap for the whole film, and then got to that is like, oh, they actually know how to like. He he throws something at the uh, the mirror, and it looks like it's coming towards the lens, and it does that forced perspective thing, which was really well done. It slow mo worked. The music was great. There, you actually got to see him emote, and you believed in that performance mm-hmm. that's a really strong passionate performance and it's something that I saw in the trailer the disaster artist is that something that led those two artists to work together those the two lead actors Mark and uh, Tommy that he saw him do Hamlet he saw him do uh, Streetcar Named Desire that the, the guy in actuality saw Wiseau act and he's like this guy has passion. He's th- there's something to this, mm-hmm. and I saw that in that final sequence. It just was such a long, long, long wait. Yeah. Certainly, 
Which is a, a nice reminder that there are so many reasons a film can be bad. Yeah. On camera and off camera. And it always sort of bothers me when people will say, will attack the public faces of a certain film. Mm-hmm. We, we can never really be sure what where, led where to blame the... lies or, mm-hmm. or if, if blame exists at all you right. know, in, in a given production. Unless it's Transformers, then we know it's Michael Bay's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Hear that, Michael? We're coming after your empire. <laughs> Hide your star-spangled banners and your underage girls. If anything, I think that I'm going to look at some of the other films I've disliked a little more kindly for having rewatched this again. Yeah. And that's a... Trying to think of something that I watched and didn't like that I would not watch again instead of this, or like that I would prefer watching <clears throat> again yeah. other than this. I can think of a lot of things though, is the thing, because a lot of the films that I dislike, I dislike because they're not for me. Hmm. Or they're just, oh, I found them boring. I don't find this boring. That I found it, you know, as, as a bad movie for sure, <clears throat> but there's entertainment to be had. Even if it's just marveling at the thing itself as a thing that got created by humanity you know there are plenty of other films that I just I just I think they're just a waste of my time particularly mm-hmm. you know for me not necessarily for everybody or even just like just now I got a lot of enjoyment out of this watch because of you guys yeah you know yeah. where I won't do that <clears throat> with other films that I've disliked that even having you guys here making comments the whole way through it, I, you would not be able to garner any kind of emotion or interest in me but you did it with the room. Yeah. So. Yeah, the, yeah. I, I definitely enjoyed it too. Like it was, yeah, it, I guess it's probably the first thing, the first film I've seen that's like, this is bad, but I enjoyed it, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, um, you know, back to what I was saying before, like, yeah, like I've acknowledged other stuff that I've enjoyed that I consider to be good that people refer to as bad. Mm-hmm. This, I'm acknowledging that it's bad. So I finally get that sort of mm-hmm. sarcastic viewing, you know, the ironic like, oh, it's so bad, it's good kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it was it was definitely like an enjoyable experience. Like I probably I wouldn't watch it by myself. I won't watch it on Thanksgiving. You know the way I watched The Matrix on Thanksgiving last year. You know, but like I will like I, I would definitely like if I go back to Rhode Island or something with some of my friends. Like oh guys, we should all watch this film. It's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. I will say that I think a lot of these so bad it's good films get ruined by expectations. Yeah, that's when you true. seek them out, it doesn't always go well. Yeah, because the ones that I have in mind that I think about are so bad it's good are films that I've just sort of found that I've been sitting with a roommate and they just find something on Netflix that sounds dumb and we just toss it on mm-hmm. Two Minutes Shark Attack oh, <laughs> it's, just, it's awful but oh man you know what that was fun it was a fun experience of discovering mm-hmm. that sort of thing yeah and I wonder I worry that well see I was gonna say I worry that we sort of ruined the room for you then Joel by telling you it's gonna be so bad it's good well, on no, the other this... hand we told that to Tim and he liked it so I don't know <laughs> That's, the other thing is like it's not like I didn't hear that before I met you guys. Like I, the oh, room sure. was in the 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 the, <laughs> the microcosm of my like popular culture knowledge. Like mm-hmm. that's how it's always been described as worst movie of all time, but people seem to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's <clears throat> it might be just me being tired and being towards the end of having been sick, or I it, it just being so frustrated by the inability to make anything creative sitting here watching this thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But. Sure. So. It still really bothered me that she 
served him red wine and a champagne. Not in the Beethoven. Of all the things to fixate on, there he goes. There's a character we don't get introduced to. We don't know his name, and he just shows up as like this major plot point. He discovers Lisa and Mark fooling around, and we never find out his name. Oh yeah, I mean, bugging me. Who who was the guy who was sleeping with the other woman who Lisa talked to? Like with the chocolate? Yeah. Yeah, was that, that, that frat bro boyfriend? dude? Yeah, sure. That wasn't him, right? No, it's a different guy. Did he have a name? Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> but I just remember him with the douchey hair and everything. Like, mm-hmm. he's a very <clears throat> early 2000s, that, that guy exists. Like, Yeah. I will say, though, I'm glad we've introduced this to both of you for, for one of your stated goals. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily stated on the podcast, sorry listeners, but just stated in the conversation. But the disaster artist, you want to you want to know what you're doing when you go into that. Yeah. And I have to say, I think I I, I kind of have to recommend generally you should go watch the room before you watch the disaster artist. Yeah. Because I've, of the number of people I've spoken to who think that the disaster artist is just a comedy about some fake dumb movie. Right. Like no, you don't understand. This is real, and the disaster artist isn't a documentary in itself, but it is based on the book written by Sestero, who played Mark, mm-hmm. of the same name, The Disaster Artist. So, so he wrote a book about it? Called oh The Disaster God. Artist, yeah. Um, let me see if I can bring the book page up here. Movie Mumble Book Club. <laughs> I seem to have lost track of the actual Wikipedia page for the book, but yeah, he wrote a book, you know, recounting his experience. Making it, and that book was true. That's his right. non-fictional experience. So then, We've taken this fictionalized version of it for the film. This is real. This happened. So we're going to go into that with a much better understanding. And uh, as a side benefit, it looks like we're going to go into the rest of Movie Mumble with a lot more perspective. No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Cycles to come are going to be interesting. Is there anything else you all want to bring up or uh, or talk about before we close off our, our first ever special episode? Special episode. <laughs> is, is there anything else you all want to bring up? I don't want I'm, to cut um, you all off. I need yeah. a drink. No, I think, that, <laughs> yeah, right. I think that's it. All right, we'll go. We'll go toast. You know, to help us survive the experience, and also we'll toast the end of our first ever special episode. Special episode. So thank you very much for joining us. We hope you will next time, and have a good evening. Bye. Bye. Bye.